0: The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content is for general information purposes only.
1: I remember sitting in Chloe's hospital room, and I'm holding her for the first time in about seventy-two hours, because stroke patients need to lay flat. And the doctor pulls up a chair in front of me, and it's never good when the doctor pulls up a chair ever. <laughs> so she pulls up a chair in front of me, and she says, "Christine Kendall has the same heart condition." Oh my gosh! And. At that point, you are just in such a state of shock that the only response that I had was, I I need a bucket. I just, I can't. My response was, I'm going to throw up.
0: That's Christine Rayling, mother of three, who found out that not one, but both of her daughters needed heart transplants. How did she get through this difficult time? And what are she and her husband doing to give back? Hear her story and how you can help. Coming up in today's podcast... You're listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K, a podcast designed to empower, enlighten and entertain with perspectives that most women are thinking, but not always saying. This is 50 Shades of K. Well, everyone, welcome back from a 4th of July break. We took a little bit of a break here on 50 Shades of K because I was out enjoying time with my family and hopefully you were out enjoying time with your family and friends. But every week the podcast is growing. Thank you to everyone that's sharing it with your friends who are subscribing and leaving reviews. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we hope to do more. So if you ever have ideas or suggestions, you can always reach me at elizabethkradio at gmail.com and let me know what you want to talk about. And that is what started today's podcast. Well, a friend of mine sent me an email and said, You have to talk to this mom. She has been through a lot. And her name is Christine. And she's with me today to talk a little bit about her twins, Chloe and Kendall. Thank you for joining me, Christine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Christine here has quite the situation that happened with her identical twin daughters when they were born about three years ago. And she has an event coming up August 18th at the Corners in Brookfield that we're going to talk about. But, Tell us, Christine, exactly what happened with your twin girls, Chloe and Kendall.
1: Yeah, Chloe and Kendall were born in 2015. Perfectly healthy little girls. Uh, being twins, it was a surprise to us, but welcomed. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so fast forward about 13 months or so, and Chloe's laying in her crib, and we noticed that she wasn't moving the right side of her body. Um kind of Cliff's Notes version of this story is we took her into the emergency department at Children's Hospital where she was rushed back immediately and they discovered essentially that Chloe suffered from a stroke. And how old was she here when this she happened? She was 13 months old. Wow. She just turned... Just turned, you know, one. I've never even heard
0: of someone that young having suffered a stroke.
1: Exactly. And so I'm glad you say that because my husband and I, Dan, kind of, it was in the back of our mind, but who hears of babies having strokes? Right. Maybe this is more common than you'd think, but... Um, it was uncommon for us. Sure. They took her back and diagnosed her with a stroke um, due to a blood clot that was in her right hip that made its way through her heart into the left side of her brain, which caused complete right side paralysis. Facial paralysis, head to toe, no arm movement, no leg movement, no feeling to pinching or responding to any sort of you know, stimulus. Jeez, yeah. How crazy is that? So as part of the diagnostic process, they did an echocardiogram of her heart because they wanted to understand how this blood clot made its way through her heart. Which makes sense, yeah. And they suspected at first that she had a hole in her heart that was undiagnosed, but unfortunately they didn't discover a hole. What they discovered is Chloe was in the advanced stages of heart failure. Her heart was so enlarged that the Valves weren't closing. They weren't making that seal. So this blood clot made its way right through the valves into her brain. Oh, my gosh. She was diagnosed with a condition called restrictive cardiomyopathy, which is a very rare heart condition. The way I describe it is, you know, those stories of basketball players who are perfectly healthy and then they all of a sudden go into cardiac arrest and collapse on on the floor. That more than likely is cardiomyopathy. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine sudden cardiac arrest your heart and they is had no just, way of really knowing correct unless either one you go into cardiac arrest or two you sometimes develop stroke or blood clots excuse me yeah kind of like what happened with mm-hmm. your daughter okay right there's five different types right now of cardiomyopathy let's say there's a hundred cases between children and, and adults three to five of those cases are the type of cardiomyopathy my my daughter had so it's very rare Um, So you were faced with the decision of you knew right away that she was going to probably need a heart transplant. They came to us. They told us this and said, listen, there's no cure. There is no cure for their heart disease. The only option that you have is one you can medicate and not do anything about it. And obviously that has terminal outcomes or we can do a heart transplant. And
0: this is just with one of the girls. Yep. That was with one. And and now let's
1: talk about your other daughter, yeah. one of the other twins. Yeah. So at the time, we didn't know that they were identical or if they were identical. Oh, or really? Not. They yeah. don't know that right away when they're born? Well, they do generally. But because everything is unique with them, my daughters, um, and, and we can kind of go into those details later, They identical twins generally either share a sac um, when they're in utero or a placenta. One or the other or both. My daughters had both separate sacs and separate placentas, so that made them think that they were fraternal twins. Okay, gosh, it's also fascinating. I know. It I just know. is. You learn so... a lot, right? Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, okay.
0: So they didn't know then that they yeah, were identical.
1: So there was a chance that they could be identical, but they were thinking that they were fraternal, and you know. So, so then this happened with Chloe, and we said, "Hold on, she's got a twin. We don't know if they're identical or not. We want her tested." And so within like a day of that diagnosis with Chloe, they said, "Okay, we've got an appointment tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. That's the first one that we can pull you in. in. Um, Let's bring Kendall in and get her tested. So they did an echo cardiogram of her heart as well. And it turned out that Kendall had the same heart disease. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: And, I mean, I and remember, there's oh,
0: there's a happy ending to this story, but
1: I, how, yes, go on. What were you yes, going to say? You, I, I just, I remember sitting in Chloe's room, her hospital room, and I'm holding her for the first time in about 72 hours because stroke patients need to lay flat the whole yeah. time. And this was the first time I got to hold her and I'm sitting there and the doctor pulls up a chair in front of me. And it's never good when the doctor pulls up a chair ever. <laughs> so she pulls up a chair in front of me and she says, Christine Kendall has the same heart condition. Oh my gosh. And at that point you are just in such a state of shock that the only response that i had was i i need a bucket i just i can't my response was i'm going to i'm going to throw up i just can't i'm getting emotional so, listen i can't even imagine how you feel about this it's it was it was if you
0: i mean your body language telling the story you can just see what yeah. this does to you physically
1: and you were you physically got sick I yeah mean, it 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 was it, dan and i um my husband is an incredibly strong person. He is incredibly stoic as well. So when you meet him day to day in his daily life, he's a man of few words. You know, he's yeah. he's got personality in life and, and all that jazz. <laughs> but right? he's a but rock, he's not, right? He, he's not outwardly expressive, whereas I'm, you know, all over the place. But when it comes to his daughters, I mean, just seeing him be reduced down to, to just his core of your world has completely shattered. And this is all just in a couple of days
0: and to not have just had one, but now two within three days and heart transplants are, I mean, any kind of organ transplant, you, you have to go on a list and you have to wait, but time isn't always on your side. But in this case, and this is where it's tough to talk about the heart has to be relatively the same mm-hmm. age So you have to get another baby, another child's heart. Mm -hmm.
1: They said that. So so when you two of them, when you list for transplant, there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into finding that match. And one of them is size. So Chloe's about 13 months old right now. They said her heart was so enlarged that the size that they would be looking for was about the size of a three year old. Anywhere okay. from two to three years old, because that cavity in her chest was that large. They could take a heart that yeah. size. Yeah. Okay.
0: You were. I mean, thinking a million thoughts. Obviously, I mean, you, your your world completely changed mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Completely changed.
1: Yeah. And and just and what did you do next though? What what did they say? Okay, we'll put you on a list. I yeah. mean, the next step actually after that was just so you know this is a genetic defect, and so now we need to test you and Dan oh, and wow. your son. As well. Because you have Max, yep, who's the oldest. yep. He's four. Um, so the next day, right after Kendall, all three of us then got um, an echo of our hearts, blood testing, genetic testing, etc. Fortunately, I just remember this so vividly, we got Max tested. I mean, we just got the news that Chloe needs a transplant shortly after that. Kendall needs a transplant, and Dan and I are walking out of the echo room with Max and just just the most somber walk that you can ever imagine, not talking to each other, just, like, defeated. And I remember we're almost, you know, to the turn to walk out of the the of Heart Institute, and Dr. Earring runs, literally is running out of an office down the hallway, waving his arm, saying, Max is okay. Oh, my gosh. Max is okay. And all I can... I, I just looked back, smiled, and said, thank you, and, and, and left. I mean... It's just incredibly deflating, defeating. I think I lost like ten pounds in a week. I oh, mean, I don't recommend yeah. that as a no, diet. Right? <laughs> Gosh, means, no! But.
0: You're up against it, and you're up against the clock here. Yeah. So you, how how did you decide though? You they both need the hearts. Who was to, going to get a heart first? Mm-hmm. What happened? Walk us through that process yeah. here. Yeah. Because the part of why Christine is here is, you know, to talk about her story and what it's like to be a mother and have a career and a wife and, and everything that you were going through. But also, you have this great foundation that you've started, too, which can help other families that unfortunately may be in this situation. Mm-hmm. But how did they decide then what was next? Who was able to get a heart first and what was
1: What was that like? Well, she arrived at the hospital February 27th, 2016, and she did not leave the hospital until July 1st, 2016. So we were given news after news, blow after blow with Chloe, they basically told us she is not well enough to go home. Oh, so you guys were living at Children's Hospital Mm -hmm. but yet you still have your life back at home. Yep. What were you doing then? Were you relying on family and friends? Are you from the Milwaukee area? Yep. My husband and I uh, live in Brookfield so we're local. Very fortunate that we're only about 15-20 minutes from the hospital. We do have family in the area as well. Uh, We worked it out so my husband stayed at the hospital during the week. He works a job at he needs to get to work early in the morning so it just made sense for him during the week to stay there and i took the weekend shift so during the week i had um, kendall and max at home with me balancing our lives there we kept their routines as normal as possible we didn't want especially max to feel like necessarily anything was really different right i mean they are two one and two so how much can you really yeah, they, understand they really right? can't understand much of what's going on at all we would have him come to the hospital have her come to the hospital to visit and so he kind of would get this understanding and appreciation for why daddy's not home and it's not he's going to visit and stay with Chloe and Chloe's sick and Chloe needs a new heart and, you know, those types of things. So kind of introducing the topic to him. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to explain it to him so he can understand mm-hmm.
0: it. And then how quickly did they get their hearts? And do you know the circumstances of what
1: these, the stories were with these, with these donors? Chloe got her heart May 11th, 2016. So a weeks after um, she was um, put on the the transplant waiting list. We don't know anything about the donor for Chloe. We've made the choice that we are not going to reach out to the donor until our daughters are of age and can help make that decision themselves.
0: I applaud that. That is that is really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that makes a lot of sense. This is their life story, too. Yeah, we want them to understand and have that appreciation or at least that cognitive ability to know the impact that they have on somebody else's life, that the life that they're living was actually given to them as a gift and they need to live accordingly. They need to have a life of gratitude and they need to be kids and honor that and whatever. But but understand what what went into that cost.
0: process. Yeah, it it really did. And this is why organ donation is So important. Mm -hmm. We've done other PSAs here with organizations that are involved with organ donation. Personal friend of ours has cystic fibrosis and he had a double lung transplant Mm -hmm. at the university hospital. Saved his life. It's so incredible that for people to really make the choice to donate. And I feel like, look. If it's my time, it's my time. And if someone can somehow benefit from what I have left to give, then definitely take yep. it. Because look look what we're talking about here. Because now, with your two daughters that have their heart transplants, you have started this organization. Love the name, by the way. Thanks. The beat goes on. Yep
1: beautiful name and what is that organization all about? We started The Beat goes On in 2016, probably as a coping mechanism, honestly. During a, this time? Yeah, yeah, so we were oh sitting in gosh. the hospital and my husband looked at me one day and he goes, Christine, we can't just sit here, we need to give back. We have been incredibly blessed we both have fantastic jobs and unfortunately our employers were very flexible with us during this time and, and we can talk about that later, but we've been blessed from respect of work. We are blessed because we have insurance. We are blessed because of X, Y, Z factors. All of the stuff that people are wanting to give to us, we appreciate, but we're we're not the benefactors of that. We need to give it to somebody that can do something with it and make a change and you know, have a broader impact than just our family. So he had this idea. He wanted to start a nonprofit organization. He came up with the title and, you know, kind of did the background scene work of making it happen. So just think
0: about it. This this man, Dan, I'm getting so choked up here during this interview, by the way. So I'm sorry if I should have brought Kleenex in. Your husband, Dan, he said is a man of very few words, yeah. but look at what he's, look what he's done. Yeah. I mean, and for you guys to have been at a time where no one would blame you for just focusing on you guys. Mm-hmm. and Almost being selfish, but not in a bad way. Yeah. You were thinking about other people. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, that. Do you do you realize how incredible that is? I mean, there are so many news headlines out there of people doing some not great things
1: in the world. This should be the news headline because that is really awesome. What you're doing, you're saving yeah. lives. Thank you. You know, we. That's incredible to hear. It's incredibly humbling, and and it's also. I hope you appreciate this too. It's also difficult to hear because it's not it's not something that we're doing for recognition. It's something that we're doing because it has a personal impact on our family. But you you, recognize that you guys, as stressed as
0: you were, there were other stresses you didn't have to worry about that. You know, many people do have to worry about. Jimmy Kimmel talked about that when his son went through, not the Mm -hmm. same situation, but but a hard situation nonetheless. And he's like, I have the means to pay for this. I can do this. Not
1: many people do. Right. We'll figure, we'll figure our life out. We, Things work out. I don't know. That's just been my life. That's just been Dan's life. Things Do you hear this? A woman a woman <laughs> who has
0: two daughters that needed heart transplants is saying that. You really seem to just have this positive
1: outlook, and that had to be really important during this time. You have to, honestly, Elizabeth. You can't. Living in the hospital, and there are so many families that have it harder than us, honestly. Sure. It's all perspective. and. There's families that have it more difficult, bigger roads, bigger bumps, bigger mountains, whatever you analogy you want to put against it but you have to stay positive. That's the common thread through all of these families is you have to focus on the end state, the positive, the hope. You can't live in the moment. You can't live with the diagnosis. You can't live, I mean, give yourself X number of hours or days or whatever you need to kind of mull through and deal with your emotions, but you need to get past it. You need to focus on it the positive. And Christine, that's a really good segue into a question that I really wanted to ask you. As a parent
0: going through something like this, how did you cope? Mm -hmm. I know you talked about hours or days. What what did you do specifically? Did you have times where you would say to your husband, Dan, I need an hour? I mean, what did you do? Because there are people listening to this that are going through... Yeah. Some not so great things right now, whether it be in their relationships or their job or their children. Like you
1: said, every everyone has their own storm they're yeah. trying to work through. What would you do for us? It was incredibly individual. It was, hey, mom and dad, can you come watch Max and and Kendall? I just I need a minute to just you know go shopping or you know. Get my nails done. That sounds totally selfish with respect to what's going on in your life, but it's those moments of normalcy you want that to you feel normal. have to have in order to maintain a good mental state.
0: Yes, do not feel bad about that. Right. People listening, don't feel bad about that. Self-care is really important. Because if you aren't caring for yourself, how can you care for other people? Exactly.
1: And and that was probably the biggest lesson. And I'm I'm glad you used the phrase because I was I was lacking my mental capacity to think of it. But but we're going down we're
0: going down a a road where there was probably a lot going on.
1: But self-care is incredibly important. And I remember like I would spend 72 hours straight at the hospital over the weekend. And that I mean I'd come home or, you know, leave work. Be at the hospital from Friday to Sunday night straight. And I became friends with their weekend nurses and I said, hey, listen, I'm just, I got to leave this hospital. I'm going to go out and grab lunch or something. Do you want anything? Because I can't be in these walls without leaving it Yeah. for 48. I got to go do something. So making sure that you're focused on yourself and not feeling bad about that. That we talked the hard... on the air today about mom yeah.
0: guilt. We talked today about it. Yeah. That guilt that you feel because your daughter isn't able to leave. Yeah. Did it almost make it just somewhat easier that she was so young and and
1: didn't really comprehend perhaps what she was missing out on or did it, that make it harder? No, that's a really good question. I think in some respects it did make it easier because I didn't she didn't have to have a whole lot of entertaining. She's still taking long naps, especially since she's so sick. She was taking longer naps. I wouldn't leave when she was awake. I feed her lunch and then she'd go down for her nap and say, "Okay, I'm going to sneak out. I'll be back in an hour. Yeah. It's not like I was gone all day. And, And the thing we have to remember as well is there are babies at the hospital that don't see their parents. Regardless of age, it's because they work jobs that don't give them flexibility. They live too far away and they can't come down. They don't have transport. It doesn't make sense for them because they live four hours away to come down. And now, you know, Ronald McDonald House is booked so they can't stay overnight or whatever it is. So the fact that I was there and Dan was there as often and as much as we could be is phenomenal. And this is also a really good time to to point out the
0: special people that work at Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. We work a lot with Children's Hospital and they are the best. They really care about Mm -hmm. their patients. And when you talk about these children that are there without their parents, which, you know, it sounds like the parents would love to be there, but just can't because of circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's why the people that care for those kids are so crucial, mm-hmm. and that hospital is so important to to help and support because of what they're doing yeah. for for kids. Yeah. And sick kids, I mean, that no one wants to think about a sick child. Mm-hmm. When you get older and you're 60s, 70s, 80s, okay, you just expect this is what's going to happen, but a child mm-hmm. should be all playing and mm-hmm. thinking about Christmas and a birthday party and going to the pool and all of that
1: stuff, but mm-hmm. not... Not sitting in a hospital thinking about, when am I going to get a heart? Exactly, exactly. And so these nurses, primary, I'm going to focus on the nurses because they're at the bedside day in and day out. They are the ones that are advocating for your child on behalf of you when you're not there. They are the ones that are making sure your your kiddo is entertained. And I remember the weekend Chloe got her heart happened to be Mother's Day weekend. And how about that? And our nurse, Lindsay she she was the weekend nurse made an awesome mother's day gift for me with handprints and fi- and oh feet my prints gosh. um footprints for her and so the extra special care that they take. Go above um, and beyond. Right. When Lindsay was the nurse, when Kendall was discharged as well. And that morning she knew she was getting discharged. She brought in a donut from Cranky Al's because Kendall loves chocolate long johns. And, and that she was pays her. attention to yeah, that. Right. And those little things, they know your child. They know what works. They know what doesn't.
0: That's really beautiful. And that probably really was something that you needed because it made you feel not so alone, I would yeah. think.
1: Yeah. And, and it makes me feel it made us feel good when we had to go back to work because unfortunately bills still come. You still have to pay them. Now I've got more bills because of medical insurance. I have to keep my medical insurance too. Right. So we had to go back to work and knowing that we had people we could trust during the day that were with our kid, that were advocating for them, that um, we built relationships with that had the best interest of my child in mind put us at ease. Well, and it took a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides the doctors, you say mm-hmm. the
0: nurses, mm-hmm. I mean, your employers, mm-hmm. you had your extended family. I mean, right. your son, Max, he still needs his mom and dad right. and he's worried about his baby sisters too. Mm-hmm. And this foundation, The Beat Goes On, mm-hmm. is raising money for other families in this situation and, and bringing awareness to probably organ donation as right. well, right? Yep.
1: So we focus, our mission is to focus on kiddos that are impacted by heart disease and defects. So we really focus on things like investing in impact research that primarily Children's Hospital is doing with respect to organ donation and making sure compatibility happens. And what's the sustainable future for kiddos that do receive transplants, specifically heart transplants? So fun fact, not really that fun. Um, a, A heart, a donated heart The average life of that heart, it's not a one and done. The average life is 20 to 25 years. So think of this. When my kid is supposed to be walking across the stage at their college graduation, they could also be thinking, I might reject my heart sometime soon. Now what do I do?
0: You're right. It doesn't just end there. No. There's still steps that have yeah. to be made and things you have to
1: think about and what you have to plan for. And- right. So if you go just based on averages, the average lifespan of of a heart, let's say. In order to have a normal lifespan into their 60s and 70s at 25 years on, an heart, on a donated heart, they're going to need two more heart transplants, two more just to get into their 60s and wow. 70s the research that's being done right now that we obviously have a a, a very you know vested interest in from Naturally. Our, our family yeah, perspective right, right. but what we want to focus on from our our charity's perspective is making sure that the research happens on potentially growing organs from your own DNA so you don't have to worry about organ or tissue rejection because you're Incredible! Body, children's Hospital is at the forefront of leading that. That's incredible. They, they are doing research with respect to understanding how organ rejection and tissue rejection works and better ways to find out if a patient is going through tissue rejection versus putting them under, going in through a vein in their neck or an artery in their neck, taking samples out of their heart to you know look under a microscope. Are there blood tests that we this can this is so that. fascinating. Like so, the, the, and so like this is why The Beat Goes On is yeah. so
0: important because yeah. it's going to help fund research and things like this to hopefully yeah. save more lives. And I was telling Christine earlier, I want to talk to you for hours and hours, but we have short studio time today, right. unfortunately. And I know that we have to get out of the studio, which I feel bad that we have to. But before we wrap this up, you have an event coming up August 18th where you are raising money for The Beat Goes On. Will Chloe and Kendall be there? They will be, yes. That's so, awesome. so
1: this event is really cool. So I'll do a really quick um, yes, overview of it. Have it. So we um, are partnered with the corners of Brookfield and various um, stores within the corners to do a summer cocktail party slash fashion show. So this fashion show is going to be awesome because it's not just, you know, your typical runway models. We are featuring 3 heart families and 3 heart kiddos oh, specifically yay. so they're going to be on stage with their support network. That's We're going to tell their story. We're giving them a platform to show that they are awesome. They are special, they are unique. Their story is phenomenal and the beat goes on and the beat goes on. It and does. So what time is it going to happen? 6:30 to 9:30. Tickets are available on our website, thebeatfoundation.com. We're running ticket promotion. So get a a t-shirt with your ticket sales from now until the 16th. Sorry, I don't know when No, when that's that's totally fine.
0: We're going <laughs> to no. link it all up at 991themix.com. Okay, so perfect. go to 991themix.com. You'll find information there. This is a really important foundation, one that I know is going to be doing amazing things. Thanks. I mean, your story is really, really powerful, and both of your girls, as they get older, they can tell their own story, too. So thank you for taking the time, Christine, Damn. to be here and for thinking of other people because yeah. you are saving lives. And I can't wait to meet your girls one day. Yeah. I can't wait to meet them, which we're going to put a picture up to at 991themix.com. They're doing well. They are.
1: They are. Kendall had a bout of organ rejection, tissue rejection actually just before Memorial Day. She landed in the ICU for eight days and it was a pretty scary, severe case. But she's bounced back. Children's Hospital got her back on her feet. God bless Children's Hospital. Yeah, back to normal. It was probably the second scariest moment of our life. Oh my gosh.
0: But you're stronger because of it. Thank you, Christine, for sharing your story and thanks for being here. Thank you. This has been the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?